This week on The Business of Lifting Weights, we sit down with one of the gym industry's leading female personalities, Christmas Abbott, to discuss what makes her a successful gym owner and personal brand advisor. This is Brian. And we are back with episode 23 of The Business of Lifting Weights. Today we are extremely fortunate to be joined by Christmas Abbott. Um, she's taken time out of her day um, to talk about all things fitness branding from aspects of growing your gym, best practices there, um, also how to increase your personal brand, um, and really just kind of advance yourself in fitness for lack of a better um, term for it. So Christmas, hello. Why don't you say hello to everybody? Hey, everybody. Nice to be here. And you are joining us from where today? Raleigh, North Carolina, my, uh, my hometown right now. Awesome. Fellow East Coaster. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we really appreciate you taking the time uh, to join us today. I know that we are personally excited uh, just to kind of learn um, from things that you have to say and um, also our listeners as well. So a lot of good stuff that we're hoping to cover today. Um, my first question is, why have you agreed to come on this podcast? Obviously, you don't know us personally, um, and this podcast is just gaining momentum. So what was your thought on coming on today? You know, I, I love podcasts because I think that they're really a great resource for information um, for, for anything that you want to venture into. Um, so I love it when people put good information out there and they bounce it around and it doesn't help me to have all this experience and not be able to give it away. So I'm excited um, to be here with today with you guys and to kind of give you a little bit of insight on my journey. Awesome. Um, one of the things that I think has made your journey, speaking of, so intriguing as an observer is just the amount of different things that you've been successful in. Um, anything from books to running a gym um, to competing yourself, you know, if you can boil it down, what are some, what are some traits and what are some things that um, make you successful? Um, one, there's a lot of different smaller things that you can, not smaller, but there's a lot of fundamental things that are true to everything that I do in my life. And it's that consistency with the application of fundamentals that allows me to create a strong foundation and build from there. It's the exact same as we do in, you know, I'll give CrossFit as an example. If you have a good, solid air squat and you understand what your body feels like doing that air squat, you know the points of performance and you are able to execute it eventually, um, you know, with virtuosity, mm -hmm. then you can build on that much easier than if you try and rush through all of the movements and just kind of go to the next one immediately. Mm -hmm. So. Just that, you know, build the basics very strong and they will reward you back. Um, structure and discipline are something that does not easily or naturally come to me. So I fight very hard <laughs> to, to implement that into my life. And people are like, oh my gosh, Christmas, you're so OCD. It's so organized. <laughs> you don't have to be that organized. And I'm like, no, 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 you, understand, you don't understand. I need this. And this is how I'm able to thrive and mm -hmm. kind of calm my own chaos. Um, so yeah, those those fundamentals are important in everything that I do, and I approach everything with with that um, that core foundation. 
I think it's really interesting that you say that that kind of stuff doesn't come naturally to you. I think some people have the perception that successful people, it's just like a gene or they just have it or whatnot. Um, so what are some of the ways that you kind of have had to like teach yourself that or some strategies that you do use to create that structure? Oh man, it's so funny because I think that especially as an entrepreneur, we're naturally chaotic. Most of us, if you meet us, we have ADD. Um, I mean, just, I call it tennis balls in a dryer. That is what my head is like. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I was fortunate enough that in my, you know, early mid twenties, I was working as a contractor with a paramilitary company. And so the company took on the same, uh, the same like, just regiment as you would in the military. Mm-hmm. And you woke up, I knew that I had to go get breakfast before I went to work or I didn't eat. Um, and if I didn't eat, I was on this downward spiral. So it's always a, you know, con- choice of consequences. And my parents taught me growing up, they were like, look, you can make whatever decision you want, but you have to understand the full magnitude of the consequences of your decision and then make the decision. You don't, don't go into anything blindly. And so with the paramilitary company and this kind of awareness of, oh man, I have to be cognizant of what I'm doing. It really helps me create this structure. And I mean, I like to schedule things out. I know, you know, you arrive five minutes early or 10 minutes early. You don't Mm -hmm. arrive at the time you allow time for an oops. Um, it's just, it's just kind of like this discipline of your lifestyle, that I was able to incorporate, fortunately, with this very strict company. But there's also self-accountability that we have to recognize. Mm-hmm. And without having that, you know, um, really kind of conviction for what you do, that's when things really start coming together. Well, I got to tell you, it's refreshing in dealing <laughs> with people. Um, just the amount like that, the whole experience in setting up this podcast, you could see that just from the get-go. Um, it's by far, and we're not just sucking up to the guests, but it's by far the easiest, just easiest type of scheduling. And the whole process was very seamless. So you can definitely tell that that is something that you're focusing on for sure. Oh, thanks. And it's, it's funny as gym owners th- that we are, and obviously you are, you know, throughout the course of business, your day-to-day life, how many people and how many situations are just kind of turned into chaos by people not following through with what they do. Um, you know, Dave had an example yesterday where um, his day was kind of ruined by somebody standing <laughs> him up, um, you know, with just just a set meeting time. Um, and so, like you said, it's very refreshing to hear somebody that's kind of on our side of things that um, plans ahead and has things a little bit under control. Yeah, I think just too, you know, it was like, it's something as simple as a contractor coming in to do work on the gym and just you know, didn't show up. And just, I think people often overlook the extreme basics of like just very, very remedial acts of just delivering on what you say that you're going to do, um, as kind of step number one to just create some type of foundation to build success off of. I think that's my biggest frustration for the, the general population is that just (laughs) say what you mean and do what you say. (laughs) Amazing how hard that is for some. It is, like, I don't need it sugar-coated. I'm a big girl. I got thick skin. I will much rather you tell me something I don't want to hear than you tell me something that you think I want to hear and then dupe me. Yeah. I'm not very, you know, after that, I'm, you know, nice Christmas is gone. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so at what point did you decide it was time to go from athlete and gym owner to really kind of exploring, you know, your own personal brand and separating Christmas Abbott from your gym? You know, there wasn't a, a cognizant decision on that. I just, I actually was kind of promoting my gym the whole time and I still do. I still love, love it so much. And it just started to take on a life of its own. And somebody suggested, actually, you know, it was Fitness Lonnie, was like, why don't you make a fan page, Christmas? And I was like, who's going to like my fan page? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of, yeah, it's one of those things that makes you laugh years later. Um, and, you know, thanks to him and another friend that was like, hey, do this thing called Instagram. And I was like, what do I take pictures of? And they're like, everything you like. <laughs> You're like, this is retarded. I, that was like the best advice. Because I was like, okay, this is going to be a real reflection of my life. And um, that's kind of just how, you know, the Christmas habit branding was developed mm -hmm. was I just wanted to share things in my life. And I just love what I do so much. And it, it, you know, eventually I came privy to practices and stuff, but it wasn't a, a conscious decision. It just kind of developed that way. I think that that's so cool that you said that you were just focused on promoting your gym and it kind of happened like not by accident, but that your, your intention was so gym focused. And I, I, I think that, you know, for a lot of gym owners or people in fitness, I think that they sometimes maybe do that backwards where they try to promote their gym or their business via their own personal promotion. And, you know, I, th I think it's, you know, they see people like yourself who are successful in both personal brands and business brands, and they, they do it almost backwards. Whereas, um, you seem to have done that by focusing on your gym first. You know, they'll find success on a long enough timeline. And I say that on a, with truly enthusiastic, enthusiastic emphasis, um, because people want it overnight. And mm -hmm. I have been doing CrossFit since 2005. So I've had a lot of gym experience um, from the very beginning. And, well, I, you know, we didn't have a gym CrossFit in Iraq. We just <laughs> got out. We actually got kicked out of the gyms. <laughs> so I was very creative on, like, what we could do with, like, very limited equipment. Wait, why did um, you get kicked out of the gyms? Oh, because they would, they would call us monkey fit and circus fit. <laughs> They're and like, they would be mad because we'd be running around. They're like, that's unsafe. Get out of here. That's not a real pull-up. Why are and, they swinging on the pull-up bars? <laughs> and they were like, you know, you can't. it's unsafe for us to do it in the gym. So they would tell us that we would have to leave. And then we would start stealing equipment from the gym <laughs> to go outside and do it. And then they started locking up the equipment. It was like this whole war. So then we just started buying our own things and using sandbags instead. Um, and now it's the <laughs> adopted fitness of the military. Here. Um, but you know, if people focus on what they truly love and they sit down and they map out a, a blueprint, a flexible blueprint of their marketing strategy, of what their branding wants to look up, like, um, of their actual business operations, it is so much easier. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's easy, but it, it goes through so, um, just smoother and you have a clear idea of where you want your brand to go. So you're not just grabbing at whatever is cool in the moment. You're only aligning yourself and um, really enhancing the things that you want to that will enhance your brand and elevate your brand. If you don't have these things beforehand, it's just, it's a racquetball experience and you're going to lose a lot of time and energy and effort in people, followers um, and 
not understand how to really make this into a legitimate business. Can you give us an example of what that might look like for you or, or what that thought process was for you in growing your gym? Um, I was really fortunate that I had some, uh, I had some mentors that didn't walk me through the process process, but said, Hey, Christmas, you need a pro forma. You need a standard operating procedure. What happens from before opening to after closing, like minute by minute, detail by detail, who does what, when, and what does that look like? And when I started thinking about it, I was like, holy shit, this is a lot of freaking work. (laughs) You know, just like, how do you open? How do you greet somebody? How do you um, get their information? Do you take a tour? Do you do you only work with them with the class? Do you allow them in class? Um, these things are, are huge in understanding what you want your environment to be and what your workers or your staff or your coaches need to know what to do. And if you don't know, then they sure as hell don't know. Right, yep. So I was really adamant with my team very early on of this is what we do. Um, this is what, you know, if this, then that. And we have a complete SOP for all of this information. We update it every year. We pass it back out. We have a team weekend getaway for everybody on the staff to go and kind of just leave work at work and ha- reconnect. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of these like get out of your box to get out of your business mm-hmm. um, con- kind of things. But you really do have to, again, get down to the skeleton and then start adding the meat where people want to get into the details first. So, I mean, you've, you obviously have kind of branched off and created some success in a number of different personal ventures, but um, you have retained ownership um, of Invoke and it sounds like you're still pretty actively involved on the day-to-day basis. Is that something that is still a passion of yours? What's your kind of driving motivation to stay involved in the gym business? You know, it's just kind of like coming home to your best friends every day. It's so cool. I love Invoke. Um, you know, I went through some turbulence when I first opened, um, December is, shit, is it six years or seven years? I don't remember now. Um, Oh yeah, seven years this December. Congrats! Um, been open. Thank you. And you know, I, I love being involved because I like it's part of and it's extension of me. It's kind of like making sure you know, wanting to make sure that your pets are taken care of and your garage is cleaned out properly. You know, <laughs> this I know they're going to be like, "We're pets in your garage." Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm usually better with analogies. <laughs> I, I love the people there. Some of my, I did a boot camp, um, to, an outdoor boot camp to save money to open the gym, and that's what I was able to to get my financing with is through that boot camp. It, so some of my original boot campers that were with me day one are still members of my gym. That's rad. Yeah, that's awesome. Seven, so seven years it's just later, that's impressive. Core community. Thank you. I'm, I'm just, I just love it so much. So I'm actually not in the day-to-day operations um, on a regular basis, but my business partner and I, we've worked together since uh, day one. Um, you know, we have it in writing of what our responsibilities are. And if I fail to do my responsibilities, then he has the right to buy me out. And we have an agreement of what that looks like. It's kind of like a prenup. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And, and people are like, oh, I don't want to prenup. I don't believe that we're going to be together. Fantastic. You're going to be the exception. However, mm-hmm. 
let's go ahead and write out um, what's going to look like if something bad happens. I know I'm going off on a couple of stories, but I no, will please do. Now. My friend told me, he was like, look, if you were going to get on a plane and go across the, across the ocean and there was a 50, 50% chance that that plane was going to crash, would you like to take five minutes before you get on that plane and write out exactly what that plane crash looks like? Like you come down, soft water landing, everything works properly. They let you out first. The helos come and save you. They give you champagne and <laughs> uh, ribs when you get to land. <laughs> Which it's a you well-prepared want, right? helicopter. <laughs> or are you willing to say, no, I don't want to spend that time beforehand. I want to get on the plane and just wing it. And then you have no, you don't even know if you're going to survive because, mm-hmm. you know, those bitches be crazy. So <laughs> the point is, is that the, you know, the operating agreement, the understanding of each other's responsibilities on a day to day, collective, annual, whatever it may be, write that stuff out beforehand. Know what you're getting into before you actually sign the documents and go into a partnership. And then when one person is gallivanting all over the world and somebody else is running the day to day, you're not going to look at them and go, you duped me. You're like, this was the agreement. So I I'm active in like the bigger picture stuff. Um, but definitely he handles the day to day and I'm very, very fortunate. Not everybody wants that, um, type of an arrangement. But if you, if you're honest with each other and honest with yourself of what you want to do and what your roles are, it's so much easier. Now, I have a question, if you don't mind me asking about your business partner. Did you seek them out when you guys established this business, or was it a friendship that just kind of you guys had the idea to do this together, or how did that start? Because um, you talk as if he has a little bit more business experience, Um, and I'm always interested to learn how those partnerships are formed like from the get-go. Yeah. You know, I tell people all the time, like, please proceed with caution because just because you guys have a a great idea together doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a great idea when you come together. Right. Um, So my business partner specifically um, was a training partner that I had beforehand. So I knew that, you know, like he has his, I respect him almost more than any person I've ever met. Um, And he is always, he says what he's going to do. He, does what he says and it's, he's no fluff almost to a fault where like he, he comes off real rude. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I would rather he be blunt with me than try and fluff me. Right. So we, we had a working relationship and he helped me out with some of my boot camp stuff and he's just been really kind of uh, good ideas, but he's the opposite of me. Like I believe everything is possible. And he said, nothing is possible. So <laughs> <laughs> like conservative is a liberal to explain him. Yeah. Um, I think, but it works out because we want the same end goal, but it challenges each other to figure out, um, you know, how to reach that goal. Right. And what path. Uh, so it was a, I had a blowout with my first partnership and he stepped in and said, Hey, I would like to, you know, I'm interested and I said, cool, but I was worried that it was going to hurt our relate our friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, but And it did until we had the operating agreement in place and we knew each other's roles and responsibilities. And then suddenly we're like awesome again. That's great to hear. Yeah, that's one of the things too. Like we've talked about it on prior episodes, the need to, you know, if you're 
if you're the sole owner of the gym to at least surround yourself with people that are going to challenge your line of thinking or if you have a partner to make sure that you you don't just replicate your own somebody that's going to have your own opinions and styles but kind of like you said provide that opposite viewpoint and that opposite approach so that like the realistic outcome is is going to achieve yeah i call it the creator and the finisher yeah um i like that you know as long as you're on the same page that you're going to do this project and who does what then he's he's definitely a finisher Mm -hmm. um where i can be i just don't like to yeah Yeah, it's um um, you know like we, we, we i'm sorry go ahead no, go ahead. No, I was saying we, we talk about it a lot. Like, um, you know, Brian and I, for example, we were college teammates, kind of really good friends all throughout college. And then we started this business and we, we didn't realize how different we were kind of philosophically with how we approach business until we kind of started actually opening the business. But we found it to just be so much such a competitive advantage to have that kind of polar ends of thinking to where we often arrive in the middle and it ends up being the most effective strategy. Yeah, exactly. And you don't have to have that, but I, I find that it, like teams are usually much more uh, effective and efficient when they have that type of uh, approach because you, you, you discover things that, that one didn't think about or would mm-hmm. have thought about. So what are some of the ways that you guys kind of focus on building your version of community at the gym and what is your kind of, what, what is invoke all about? What do you try to have be kind of the, the, the fingerprint of the gym there? You know, our big thing, and this has been true for me from day one is that we want you have to have an amazing experience and almost just like a fitness party every day. And that doesn't mean that we don't take the workout seriously, but if you're not having a good time, you're not coming back. And so I worked from the, you know, our crew first and we have this three by three rule where when somebody comes in new, old, doesn't matter. They can't take more than three steps before one of the coaches has said hello. Love it. Yep. Then during the workout. So we, you know, they come in and during the workout, you have to do three points of contact during the workout. So instead of just standing there coaching to the entire class, you're walking around and making sure that that person is literally doing the best they can. And I don't mean pushing them hard. I mean technique. You know, their mental capability is that intact. Um, And so they come over, maybe they need to push their knees out a little bit more. So, okay, hey, Jen, push your knees out a little bit more for me. And then when you come around again for the second time, hey, great job. I I see you moving those knees out so much. And then on the third time, you're just like, holy shit, you smashed it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the third part of the three by three rule is during the cool down, kind of survey where their head is mentally, um, you know, and, and, and figure out like, was that awful? Did they think that they needed to do more? Do they feel good about it? Do they feel proud of themselves? Give them a little bit of like, Hey, good job. This is what was challenging. And then as they leave, say goodbye, you know, and it, it just creates this personal, um, folding, you know, just like this intertwined experience of the gym, the people and the coaches and they're suddenly like you're getting invited to their weddings and right. like running around downtown on the holiday weekend, getting <laughs> all crazy. And we have a wild Christmas party. I mean, yeah. people <laughs> show the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Ours is the exact same way. It gets real, real crazy. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, We're all good with each other. Yeah, I just like I could geek out on that whole topic for this whole podcast, and I want to make sure that I don't. But like we talk about that all the time, and just greet people. Like it's so often gyms. You know, I don't want to say ignore new guests or trials or whatnot, but just understanding very, very basic human interactions and things that you like as a person, how you like being treated is no different just because you're in a gym. Yeah. And you know what? I'll say it. Most gyms do ignore the yeah. person walking in. Okay, great. And Thank you. <laughs> I'm experienced and you're, I'm walking in and you don't know how, I don't want them to know who I am half the time, but like, it doesn't matter. Like it could be somebody's first time. And they're terrified. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing is the, the average person that shows up, you know, we like to think that every person that comes in is going to be this athlete and go-getter and they're going to be bought in from the first minute they're in the gym. But they are walking into a world that is completely foreign, that they are, you know, kind of pissing their pants to a degree. And if you're not creating that, hey, you made the right choice, welcome, I got your back, you're going to do great then you've kind of lost that person from within the first five minutes. Yeah. And I know there's this whole mentality of like, if they want to be here, they'll show up. Well, yep. that is like 1% of the community, you know, of, of your population. Yep. And it's, it's very, you know, that negative reinforcement doesn't go well with the masses. It's amazing for SF guys in the military. Okay. Right. Because they are bred that way. Um, but generally it doesn't work for the masses. So you have to reward and compliment. I'm not talking about coddling. I'm talking about encouraging Mm -hmm. and just letting them, their confidence grow. And, and as soon as you see their confidence grow, they're going to see it and they're going to die for. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And, you know, Brian, um, he is, you know, very handy with websites. He's very good on, um, that aspect of things. And so, you know, when we were doing research for the podcast, we went to your website, he was like, yeah, I mean, they clearly know what they're doing. It's very obvious that your gym is appealing to people for all fitness levels. When you visit the website, what are some of the ways that you kind of proactively make sure that you're not just appealing to those kind of hardcore CrossFitters, but the average person who just wants to come in and have a good workout? See, I love it because I call it the everyday person. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, we have a pretty extensive foundations and we also do, uh, so the foundations takes three weeks and they have a couple intro workouts during the foundations to build on what they're learning. As, and we explain to them the why we do what we do. And I think that as soon as people understand the why, then they're able to kind of invest a little bit more. Um, But, you know, I tell people all the time, like, if you look around, like, we have have Olympic-level athletes at our gym. We're very fortunate. Um, But if you look around, it's – you could be in in the streets at a festival because everybody looks so different. Mm -hmm. And it's up to you. When you come in, you're an athlete automatically. We're going to make sure that we set you up for success. And we're going to make sure that you get a great experience and you feel confident. Um, and I think for us, the trick is, is that we leave them wanting more. We don't load them up as much as they can day one just because they can. We make sure that they get in a good workout and they feel confident and they leave and they're like, oh, man, I think I could have done a little bit more. I want to go back and try it. Um, but our pictures on our website are everyday people. Um, they're real members. Mm-hmm. A couple of them are extreme athletes. And you look at them and you're like, 
that's kind of what I want to look like. But yep. then you look at the next picture and you're like, well, that's what I look like. So if she's going, then I, I should go. Um, and I think that that visual perception is really uh, important. Yes. So you, I mean, right down to the meticulous nature of thinking through the psychology of the person who goes to your website to select the pictures that are on there. Yeah, because, I mean, we have, if we go to our Instagram, it's CF at Invoke, or CF Invoke. It's, we follow it. It's all photos of our classes. Mm-hmm. Every person in there is um, a member, and we want people to be inspired by what they do at the end of the day in each class instead of, um, you know, how many how many trophies we have on the freaking wall. Yeah, yep. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think sometimes people get caught up into, you know, it has to be kind of like a, a flexing fest on social media, and oftentimes it turns into a highlight reel of the gym, whereas most people, they're just not inspired by that. They don't connect with that. They want to see kind of daily things that they can relate to that is going to get them better as opposed to just like, oh, there's another person deadlifting 500 pounds, neato. Yeah, great. Never going to happen, bud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you guys have any any marketing strategies at Invoke that you use um, that you found to be successful for you? Oh, we, we definitely we take advantage of the holiday community. Um, not meaning that we shut down, but like we throw barbecues after workouts with um, ribs and champagne. Oh yeah, my <laughs> favorite. Um, <laughs> see, I wrote it out. I know what I want. <laughs> And, and we try and, you know, just kind of do an SOS. Hey, a group of us is going downtown to this festival. Come join. I mean, there we don't have clicks, which is amazing. We've worked really hard not to do that. But there are groups that just, I mean, there's the edges are blended, really. And um, it's just like this really fluid thing with community. And if you're not part of it, then you've chosen not to be part of it. Sure. Do you find that most people, just because of the natural aura of the gym, choose to be a part of it? Yeah. I think that they come in for a, a workout or, like, you know, body change usually, and they end up getting, you know, that, that mental tenacity that they had no idea that they had. Um, and then they also end up getting a whole group of new friends. And then they the, then the next issue is, like, they're coming in and saying, Christmas, you know, like my friends don't under, they make fun of me for not drinking on Friday night. They don't know why I'm doing this. I'm like, welcome to, to the fit life. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're now fully indoctrinated. <laughs> yeah. I was like, trust me, we like to wild out and throw down. But, you know, <laughs> that's the, the rarity versus the commonality now. <laughs> now, do you put orange juice in your champagne or do you drink <laughs> champagne straight up? That's what no, I, I don't cut that shit. <laughs> yeah, God. See, you got to cut that crap out. I'm a huge mimosa It'll fan. It'll be like 9 o'clock and we're out at dinner and Brian will literally order a mimosa served in a champagne flute. It's like dinner time. <laughs> you know, it's, you, you like it. Yeah, hey, I, know, I know what I like. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the things uh, I'm curious about is, you know, as an observer of CrossFit, they are in a much different place than they were 10 years ago as far as, I think, um, create individual creativity of the owner, I think, of programming, of autonomy, of training. How do you plan to kind of continue to be adaptive um, with Invoke as CrossFit and the direction of CrossFit is kind of ever-evolving? 
Um, you know, we're, we're constantly trying to see ahead and really now that we have such a really great community, um, you know, we're just kind of constantly looking at all options and evaluating them. Sure. You know, uh, some options will sound really great and then you start thinking about the next year and the next year and then years down and then suddenly within two or three years, it's not a great option and then you put yourself in a really bad predicament. Uh, I think that CrossFit gyms um, are coming to a very interesting time where you're seeing some of these smaller ones close down, some of the more staple ones are doing well, and then some in the middle ground are kind of screwed because they are barely making enough to, to make their rent, but they're not making enough to cover their own personal bills. Yep. Um, I think that you'll see some kind of chains, it, for lack of a better word, start to kind of immerse where one branding organization takes over five or six or ten within a city and then now you have unlimited membership at multiple places and it just kind of annihilates the competition in the local areas. Hmm, very um, interesting. That's what I kind of see happening or people teaming up and really kind of making these super CrossFit facilities with multiples across the city. The other thing that I see happening in the potential near future are these uh, fitness super centers where you have a CrossFit um, gym paired up with the berries, paired up with some kind of juice bar, paired up with pure bar, mm -hmm. and you can pay, a, you know, you have all these like little subcategories and you pay this membership to get access to all of them. Yeah. It's kind of like the specialty lifetime. Um, approach. So how would you plan and, on and differentiating I, in, in making, making the model of, of the true kind of independent gym survive that? It's, it's going to be very difficult. You're going to have to live in a place where CrossFit hasn't really touched yet, um, mm -hmm. which is very, you know, not likely. So you have to probably either be in a super huge city or a super small town. Um, I think that those are the two extremes that, that were that whole, um, business model can thrive and I mean thrive, not survive. Sure. And I these middle cities, um, will, will start, you'll see them start merging to where they're kind of aligning their, uh, forces. But you know, I've been wrong before. <laughs> That's very interesting. I, I've never heard that, but you can definitely see just the trend kind of shifting. Like you'll see a lot of the bigger gyms who've dropped CrossFit from the name, um, is that something you guys have considered or do you purposefully have that name in there? You know, it's something that we have considered, but we've kept the name. I like the name um, for recognition of people that want to do CrossFit. Mm -hmm. um, I, we also have, you know, boot camps. We have other programs. My business partner owns a jiu-jitsu gym and we're actually looking for a facility that will accommodate both of us. Nice. Very cool. Kind of like do a mini hybrid of what I was talking about before. Mm -hmm. um, and, but we are only going to do it if it's right. Yeah. Um, real estate is ridiculous, but you know, it's, we're, we're looking at some options and it's, it's getting frustrating, but I like the name CrossFit for that recognition. Um, but that's, that's it's kind of personal choice. Sure. You know, you talked um, about, you said something very criticism. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you said something very interesting about can pay your rent, but can't pay your bills. 
Um, what do you think is the are some big factors for a gym to make that jump from okay, I can cover my expenses, but I'm not supporting my career. Oh man, uh, you know, do your due diligence. People people jump into it because they count the amount of members. They assume what they know is rent, and they go, "Holy shit, you can make accounting." Mm-hmm. Yep. And then and then they don't realize that after they've opened, it's basically death by a thousand paper cuts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then they realize they're like they don't understand that they're like, why why is my overhead so much um, when it was supposed to be really nothing at all? So one, they don't do their due diligence beforehand. And then two, they don't know how to task out shit that they shouldn't be doing. Right. You shouldn't be doing your taxes. You should, you know, like if you're in the business, if you want to open a gym because you love to coach, get a partner that loves the business. Mm-hmm. Yep. Understands the marketing. Like you can be a coach anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you just love the business, hire a coach. Um, so I think that people need to task out, like, trust me, I've cleaned enough toilets to know that it's more cost efficient <laughs> initially. But if you're there from 5 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. then and not getting a return, then you need to start spending money to make money. Sure. People are terrified to do that. Yep. I think there's almost this kind of false sense of pride in like, you know, I have to do everything so that I can remain, you know, in the day to day. It's almost like, you know, I think owner owners, owner coaches are sometimes hesitant to kind of step out of the limelight because it's kind of no longer centered around them when in reality your time is much more needed elsewhere um, as opposed to, you know, coaching the four, five, and six every single day. Yeah, you can't grow your business if you're the primary coach. And then also people don't want to to relinquish any of the coaching duties because they the other people don't do it right. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't do it right because you haven't invested time in that coach teaching them per your SOP, exactly how you want it to be delivered and what you're expecting to see. Um, and, and I mean, I had, I do coaches conditioning and we do internships. So an intern, when they come on board and not, not all interns come through, um, it takes about nine months to a year to become a coach, uh, assistant coach. So we meet every week, we go through all the primary points of performance, we go through, like, it's just basically like an extended version of your level one, and then we test, and if they fail to our standards, we rinse and repeat. They have to have a certain amount of hours on the floor coaching, not just shadowing. They have to have a certain amount of hours interning, um, and they have to pass some written tests. And then they do a performance. We have a performance review, and then they teach us X, Y, Z. And this is, I mean, it sounds excessive, but I have zero turnover. I have coaches that have been coaching for me from day one and didn't go anywhere else. I've lost a few coaches from moving. One person went and wanted to open their own in the same city. But other than that, like, my retention rate is 100%. Like, it is absolute. Um, because they they took so much time, and it's not something that's automatically given because they go to a weekend seminar. That's awesome. If you want to be a coach at my gym, you're going to put in the time like everybody else. How did that work out for the person that decided to compete against you? <laughs> uh, they're, they're paying their rent. Okay. Okay. Well, I think. 
Well, hopefully they're listening and then get some tips. <laughs> um, uh, so did you create all that? Did you create that whole process, the in-house test, the exams, all that stuff? I did from scratch. Awesome. I couldn't find it online. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we have a little bit of a similar setup at our, at our gym. It's not nine months, um, but it is that kind of onboarding process where you kind of go through a phase, you learn. We, we have like a little manual that we wrote. And I, I think that's interesting to hear you say that because I, I, I think there's the – I have a personal opinion. I'll be interested in your take on it that a lot of gyms, they just think that the certification and the weekend and the level one is sufficient, and they, they kind of don't stop the continuing education after that. Um, I think that the, the gyms that allow people to come in as soon as they have their level one, regardless of their previous coaching experience, are eager to get out of coaching. Um, and that's just my, my opinion. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're so spread thin because they're doing everything else that they're like, Oh great, you got it. Cool. And they can legally kind of relinquish the responsibilities to them for Mm -hmm. the class. Uh, and, and ultimately it, it goes one of two ways, either the coach, um, that is coaching it, but not owning it will kind of venture off and do their own thing because they have the following and the following is there for them. Um, or people stop going and get injured and you aren't able to make your quota for memberships to pay your bills. Would you, would you say that the majority of your coaches are part-time or full-time? My, my coaches? Yeah. Um, all of them are part-time. All of them are part-time. So they, they have other jobs and they do this because they love it. Yes. Okay. Um, there's some, um, that kind of do this and coaching elsewhere. So they're a full-time coach. Mm-hmm. But my thing is, is that one, I wanted to give diversity of personality to my athletes. Yep. And so having a stable coach Monday through Friday for three classes every night, it put me in a vulnerable position for them to kind of swoop in and take my people. But two, um, you know, I want my athletes to know what coach they like and experience different styles. Mm-hmm. Cause even though the fundamentals are the same, everybody, I was like, let your personality shine. Yeah. Do you, 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 and, um, you know, everybody has a little bit of a different approach, a little different flavor. I love that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Can't, can't create robots, right? No. <laughs> um, so we're going to kind of switch gears just a little bit. Um, let me ask, what, what do you think the single smartest business decision that you've ever made is? <sighs> single smartest is get it on paper. <laughs> 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 Write that shit down. <laughs> um, you'd be surprised at what people forget as soon as money starts becoming a factor. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Is- yeah. Um, get it on paper before the money starts coming in. That has been... Um, I've been very fortunate with my, my, my business partner, um, but I've also been very selective. Uh, so I love collaborating, but people were like, oh gosh, no, we're just going to go with the flow. And I was like, I like that idea. Um, however, the flow always <laughs> some sort of box. So, um, just, you know, it doesn't have to be great, like 10 pages long, but it's just some sort of formal agreement mm-hmm. and that way both kind of go forward with confidence and, um, in, in a plan of action of what happens when. Is there a decision, a single decision that you regret? Yeah. My first partners, yeah. <laughs> well, but actually, you know, I take that back. I don't regret it because it, it was a really, it was a very harsh learning lesson for me. But, and I, and I don't regret it. Um, 
I should have done things differently and I knew that I should have been doing things differently, but I didn't have the confidence to kind of really say, Hey, this is what we need to do first. And so it, it allowed me to say, okay, no matter what, I know what I need to do and it's going to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't regret it. Um, the only thing I regret not believing that I should speak out when I sh- knew I should have. Yep. Out of all the things that you've done, opening a gym, writing books, stuff like that, what's the hardest thing that you've had to do personally? <laughs> oh, man. Um, there are so many hard things. <laughs> all, the, all the hard things? All the, <laughs> all the hard things. I lift all the weights. Um, honestly, and, and this is going to sound kind of like, like flighty, um, it's, it's remembering that I need to do one thing at a time. Yeah. I'm right there and with you on that. Speed of implementation is incredible. Like if you know how you can implement a, a process or an idea will directly result in, you know, returns. Um, however, I need to remember that I can't do it all at once. And that's been the hardest thing is like my love of life and my mercy you know, my incredible passion for wanting to do all of it, I just kind of have to check myself, which makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're doing, I think you're doing quite a few things pretty well. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> all right. So we're going to hit our final four questions, which are kind of, uh, unrelated off the wall and meant to be a little bit fun. And then of course we want to make sure we leave a lot of time for, um, us to ask you some questions about some, some books, some cool things you have coming down the pipeline. First and foremost, question number one, what person in the history of the world, you can pick anybody, would you want to share a drink with and what drink would you buy them? Okay. So I saw this question and I was like, oh man, I don't like this question. (laughs) I'm not a history geek, but I've recently watched The Crown and um, it's kind of wild. I don't know. I love like series like this, like historical and I, I would love to have a cocktail with Queen Elizabeth. And right. I want to ask her about, like, what really happened? Um, <laughs> and I'd probably just make her drink one of my favorite drinks, like a martini or a whiskey. There you go. No <laughs> no fluff in there, so Prince can take no notes fluff. to get the OJ out of his mimosa. <laughs> She's hard <laughs> work. Um, when you're not following the principles of the badass body diet, question number two, what is your go-to cheat food? Oh man, I love cupcakes. Okay. You don't have to share them. <laughs> Occasionally, I hit the mac and cheese at the Whole Foods bar. Mm. That stuff is ridiculous. It's stupid crack, right? <laughs> it's Matt crack. <laughs> Cup- cupcakes over donuts. Um, I, I think well, the donut has to be. So I set restrictions on myself. <laughs> Um, I live right beside Krispy Kreme, and so they have Dear a hot God. now sign on all the freaking time. And I made a deal with myself. I said, okay, you can go get a hot now, but it has to be, you know, the light has to be on, and it has to be right after training. And so I get hot nails like twice a year. So if it's a <laughs> hot now, I choose that. Those things, they – like they're not fair. If you eat one of them right off of the right hot off the press, they literally disappear. Like when you they start to melt, chew yeah. them, and they just you just swallow them without doing any work. So you can you can eat like ten if you're not careful. I know that's what that's the hot now. <laughs> Which I've done before. 
Yeah, we, we have one about 10 minutes away here, even out in San Diego. <laughs> they're, they're amazing. Yeah, they just kind of um, melt and you're literally just evaporating yeah. your mouth. It's gone. All right, question number three. Um, the gun on the hip tattoo, uh, what's the meaning of it? Uh, funny thing is, is that I was like super anti-guns before I went and took a job in Iraq. And it was because I just didn't – I mean I grew up with guns because my parents were bikers and we would shoot shotguns and stuff. But, you know, like as you do as a te- late teenager and early 20s, you're like, bat guns. Yeah. I just didn't understand how to use them. So as soon as I learned how to use the gun properly, shoot it with confidence and understand how that this is not going to hurt me if I know what I'm doing. Um, and then I just fell in love with shooting. I love shooting. So I have a 45, I have a couple of guns, but, um, and I just wanted to, one, I love shooting, but two, I always want to be prepared. So when I was in Iraq, it was this big thing about situational awareness especially as a woman. And so when I came home, I was like, okay, I want to always kind of have that awareness when I leave my house and feel protected. And that's why I got my gun. (laughs) Awesome. All right. It's very cool. Who is someone in fitness that you admire that might not know it? Oh, uh, I was thinking about this one too. And there's a, you know, honestly, there's a ton of women, specifically women that I follow and I really admire but uh, it truly is, uh, especially the women on my program, like the women that start their journey. They, I know it's not crazy influential, but, uh, you know, the women who start their journey that even later in life that didn't think that they could and suddenly they're finding out that they can. And I think that that's just such an incredible moment that is so magical and that can really harness a change, a, a true influential change in somebody's life to make a completely different lifestyle um, to the day they die. And that's that's what I get inspired about. Or, um, and I hear a lot of it through the, the fitness groups that I do. Um, and just the way we're going, you know, I signed up for a body change and then suddenly I'm having a lifestyle change and mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. And it's, that shit gets me going. Yeah. Yeah. Very inspirational. I think that's a really cool answer. And I think it kind of goes hand in hand with like what I, what I view as the most fun aspect of owning a gym is seeing those people come in who can, you know, have zero idea how to hold a kettlebell. And then a year later, they're just completely, completely different people, not even results-wise. They're just different human beings. Yeah. And, and their like, mind is so much more developed Yeah, and just more capable, period. Um, okay. So what is your upcoming 90-day challenge all about? Can you talk a little bit about that um, and where people can go to get more information on it? Yeah. Uh, so my the 90-day I do it in three months. And I love it because I think that it creates a better accountability for people. And it actually is a long enough time period for people to see this lifestyle change implemented instead of, I I like 30 days, but you can go 30 days and then jump off ship, you Mm -hmm. know? So this creates a little bit longer accountability. Um, It's called Not Your Everyday Program, which I like because it's New Year's Eve, sin. I know. Sometimes I get so silly. but it's, it's, it's an every day you have an assignment. So the assignment may be, and I have different acronyms for different types of workout. Like we have ham, which is hard as a mother. Uh, they, we have the endurance day, which is the endurance day. 
Um, and then we have the sculpt day. So that's more slower movements, not as crazy and fast, um, but it's like really building that good foundation of technique and strength. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a mobility day or recovery day and you actually get an assignment for those days as well. Um, so those are typically the rest days and then you get a nutrition aspect. You get a Facebook group where the girls in there, it's kind of like, I know it sounds like super fluffy, but it's like, holy shit, these girls are in it. I don't even get a chance to answer these girls questions because the experienced ones will come in and say, this is what you should do when there's a question. So there's like this crazy online community support. And, um, you know, it's just a really like what I feel like a turnkey experience. And, um, I've seen some really great, great things happen out of these programs. So I love doing them. And where would somebody go to get more information on that? Uh, they can go to my website, christmasabbott.com, and there are – actually, if they sign up for my weekly newsletter, I'm always giving – my birthday's coming up, so I always give out, like, little treats. I call it the weekly treat, um, <laughs> and it's, it's more like mental motivation um, versus do this. You know, mm-hmm. I send out recipes and workouts, but it's kind of helping them develop their mind of how to be – Uh, more resilient mentally. Um, So it's really exciting. So if they go and sign up for the newsletter, I know I'm going to be handing out or doing a little bit of a discount on my birthday. Uh, What what day is that? Hmm? What day is that? Uh, December 20th. Uh, So did you get hosed on Christmas presents going up, the two for one? Yeah. And don't (laughs) get hosed on Christmas either. (laughs) Um, Which is why I have such an intense tension issue. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you also have a second book coming out. Um, I, before before you kind of talk about that, I, I'm actually curious to know just a little bit about what that process um, of you deciding to write a book and get it published is like. Um, well, writing the book is a little excruciating, um, but it's it's a process. So with this one specifically, it's all about – mindset habits that mind body um spirit and for me in my experience like if you have your mind right the body and spirit will follow um i feel like that the mind is kind of the engine of the train um and all three play equal parts but definitely the mindset is stronger and you know you just got to kind of grind it out you have deadlines with your editors you have to do these pictures and like what they're thinking is not what you're thinking. And then you have little, you know, not fights, but disagreements. And my editor has been amazing to work with. Um, I've been working with Harper Collins and there's a lot of different options out there. So if somebody's thinking about writing a book or publishing a book, explore your options. There's the traditional way, which is what I did with, um, a big name publishing company. They're self publishing with, printing and then there's like ebooks and then having sponsorships. Sure. So depending on what your goal is, which you have to figure that out before you go in, um, then you can, it can be an amazing process or awful. Uh, why did you decide to go? <laughs> we just literally had a printer fall over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't have any years. It was, just, it was funny to watch you guys can't see me oh you can see us yeah Uh, i had no idea yeah no idea (laughs) 
Hey, glad we didn't do anything weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fucking pumping for a little bit. Oh my god, I think that's my answer. <laughs> um... Yeah, that just, man, that just threw off my whole next question. Oh, you know, I know we're coming up on the clock here, but why did you decide to go traditional publishing house of all those options? Um, you know, my agent, he said, this is what we're going to do. I didn't have experience in that. And I knew that I would be able to self-publish, but it was such a uncharted territory for me. And I just felt more comfortable going with the publisher. And it was it, my first book was awesome because uh, I went to go see twelve publishers in two days. Um, wow. So it was it was pretty incredible. But they also want to know numbers, so you you have to kind of present your information, and they decide whether they want to bid on you or not. Um, so I I stayed with Harper Collins again for my second book because I just had a really great experience for the first one. Um, and you know, who knows what I'll do with a third. I have some other ideas that I'm floating around. Um, but you know, I might do a self book, a self published book in the meantime, just to kind of see what it's like and see how it does. And when does my, when does mind, body, spirit come out? Um, actually it's, it's, um, <laughs> the badass life. Um, that's the name of the book. And oh, that thought, comes okay. out on May 23rd. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so guys go to christmasabbot.com. I assume that that's kind of the one-stop shop for all the different ways that people can kind of continue to get, um, information from you, books, um, anything to kind of stay involved with what you're doing as a coach. Yeah. You know, I'm super easy to stop. Just type in my name. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's all we got on our end. Any parting words or anything that you want to kind of mention before we let you go? Um, no, I just appreciate the the time and I appreciate you guys reaching out for me to be on your up and coming growing podcast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, thank you so much. Well, thank you in return. Yeah. It sounds like you guys have a good hat on your shoulders and you figure, you know, you know what to do to make this super successful. So when you guys blow it out of the water and like are number one on iTunes, uh, call me back and we'll do some more collabs. Done. Right. I mean, back before then. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Christmas, and um, really appreciate you coming on today. I think it was a great episode, and I'm I'm excited for people to check it out. Awesome. Thanks so much, fellas. All right. All thanks. Right. Take care. Have a good one. Merry Christmas. You too. You too. <laughs>